last week I was in Hawaii, in the island of Kauai. Please, don't, don't judge me on that. I've, I've taken a lot of slack. But we have a church there, and we have to visit the churches that we plant. And if they're in Kauai, you have to go to Kauai. You can't just say, no, I'm not going to go to Kauai, because pe- what are people going to think if I go to Kauai and I go four days early and I just kind of, you know, I, I go hiking and paddle boarding and swimming and, and snorkeling, and I, and I come back with a tan and all refreshed. It just comes with the package, church. That's all I got to say. Aaron and Shannon are knocking the ball out of the park. They're doing an incredible job. They're, they're in two services already, uh, remodel jobs. And those people feel like, you know, they're in a hurricane. He's just, he's doing so many things and changes because he's going after the island. And, and these guys are kind of hanging loose, aloha life. And, uh, you know, here's Aaron just moving like la machina. He's a machine. And, uh it's exciting. And then, of course, we were there. We had the wonderful experience of uh, having 38 minutes of thinking a ballistic nuclear missile was coming our way. He said, Bob, what did you do? I, I folded my laundry. And if I'm going to die, I want to have my laundry folded. But, uh, but uh, no, Sue pounded on the door. I was folding laundry at the hotel we were at. And it just didn't make any sense. I'm one of those guys, my car breaks down, I'm looking at the most basic thing. Is my battery okay? You know, they'll go from the simple to the complex. And that's what I did with this. That's how I solve every problem. So it didn't make any sense. I didn't hit, see any jets in the sky. I didn't, I didn't see any, um, I didn't hear any sirens on the island. I mean, they have sirens because of tsunami. I mean, I went in my, my hotel room, turned the TV set. Guys are playing basketball. Wild card playoffs are going on, you know. CNN, they're doing political, you know, analysis, and there's no, like, alert. Here's the issue. If there's a ballistic missile shot at the United States of America, whether it's Hawaii or Guam or Alaska, heating missions in seconds, New York City, wherever it's shot, first they'll pick up the heating missions in seconds, and the whole nation's going to shut down. You know, Sue sent a text to the kids and said, this is scary. The end. More text back, context, Sue, context. Uh, what is scary? But uh, we got through it. People are panicking. You know, they, everyone to the ballroom, you know, at the hotel. I said, Sue, we're not going to go ballroom. I was more scared of the crowd stamping me to death, stomping me to death than a bomb hitting me. I was more scared of the crowd than the bomb. But uh, so I, it worked out. And it was really weird. He goes, oh, false alarm. And everyone starts going back out to the pool. And really weird, very weird, very weird. But we're here. We're here, and we're on a series called Entrusted, and God gives, when someone gives something or someone to someone, and you're to take care of it and be responsible about that, God has given us some things, and we're talking about that, and we're entrusted for his glory, because this whole thing is about his glory. So last week, we talked about, that Pastor Pete talked to you about being designed for his glory. You know, I want to just say something, just tag on to his his sermon, and that is this. If you're going to fulfill your mission in life, you're going to fulfill your destiny, your purpose, and why you're here on planet Earth, which is the great, it was the great, you know, question we ask ourselves. Why am I here? If you're going to fulfill that, there's two things you need to know. First, you need to know who you are in Christ. And we use that term, who you are in Christ, it means because of what Jesus did on the cross, what is true about you now? In other words, what is true about you now is that you are forgiven. That's what's true about you. What's true about you is that God has adopted you. What's true about you is God has chosen you. He came after you. You didn't, I came after Jesus. No, he came after you and put a want to in your heart to come after him. 
that means that he has given you empowerment by the Holy Spirit and put a mark on you saying, you're mine. I mean, and he has a destiny and a purpose for you. And you have access to all his promises, some 3,000 promises in the Bible. And you get to come and claim them because you got this ticket called being born again, being forgiven, being justified by faith, being cleansed from your past, being one God, one of God's kids to claim that. You just got to have that. You got to have that, that positive attitude. I've gotten the great opportunity of meeting some pretty heavy level people. You know, people are third, fourth to the presidency and, and shaking their hand, you know, and they're, you know, they're the speaker of the house and they're this and I'm Bob McGregor and I represent the kingdom of God. What, what nation? The kingdom of God. And I represent the one who created us all. I mean, come, we got to start getting an attitude about our identity. And then the second thing you got to we got to get down is who you are, and how God made you. For instance, God made me funny. And uh, you know, so I, I I work that as much as I can work that in my you know my 63 year old makeup, you know. But I I, I God made me a little bit like wild child. I I love to do active things, and I don't want to be sedentary. And I you know. Yeah, I'll fly to Kabul, Afghanistan, and, you know, I'll go in there. Sue, you can't go with me. One, one of us, if I die, one of us has to be left for the kids. You know, you just kind of, I just kind of have that thing in me. So no wonder we're all over the world. I mean, we're, because God designed me a particular way. God designed you a particular way. And in designing you that way, that was designed for your purpose. We're going to talk tonight real quickly here about being gifted for his glory. Not just how God designed you, but how God gifted you. So let's go back to our premises here. Romans eleven thirty six. Every time I'm going to be preaching on this series, I'm going to start with this. And that is that for everything comes from Him. Everything comes from Him. Everything starts with Him. Everything is initiated by Him. And everything exists by His power. Everything is sustained by Him. I mean, God started City Harvest Church. It started in my living room. I was on a 30-day fast, juice fast. I started painting my living room. And I asked God a question, can I pastor a church in Vancouver? You know, hundreds and hundreds of people later and millions of dollars later, God initiated, but God sustained this thing. All right? So everything is, it exists because of his power and is intended for his glory. God gets the credit. So everything is about God. Now, I said God's not an egotist. It's not egoism by God, you know, it's all about me. No, God knows that if he is going to be what I need him to be for me, it's got, I got to look to him. And for me to look to him to meet all my needs and you to look to him to meet all your needs, for him to be our source and everything, he has to be glorified. That's why we worship. When we worship, why do we spend so much time singing? Just because we feel good, we're gonna do a little kumbaya weenie roast thing here and you know, you know, hold hands and Michael roll the boat ashore. No, it's here we're here so that his name be lifted up, your faith be lifted up, and you will look to him. That's one of the reasons why we do worship. And so, and so everything, he gets the credit. Now Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 4 7. He says, What do you have? That hasn't been really, hasn't been given to you. What do you have that God has not, that you, what do you have I can talk, that God hasn't given you? That God has not given you. And if, and if all you have is from God, why boast as though you have accomplished something on your own? We get upset sometimes in the secular world with athletes who give God credit 
for what they've done. You know, what did you think of that when you threw that touchdown pass? I just thank Jesus. He's been my help all, all season. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. No, they're saying that I may have a great arm. I can throw 80 yards. I can run a 4-5-40. Got a great team. And, you know, I got instinct athletically. But that came from God. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Was God concerned about the outcome of the score? Only when it's the outcome that I want in the score. That's when God's really concerned about that. But the issue is we're boasting, we're giving God the credit. Everything that I have, my natural abilities, my spiritual abilities, my family background, my family tree, the environment, my friends, my mentors, the, my journey in life has all been a gift from God. It's all been God imparting to me and giving those things to me. So why would I boast? It's really all him. Now, what about spiritual gifts? Peter says this. He says, God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. So God has this big vault called spiritual gifts. And he says, you know what, I'm going to hand a few out of these over here and a few out of these over here. And he doesn't hand everybody the same gift. Aren't you glad that, that we have many colors in life? Aren't you glad that we have variety and diversity? Because it makes life interesting. If we're all just the same, how boring. We're all, you know, all you ladies, you put your hair in a bun. I want everyone to wear gray. All, all men, you know, don't brush your teeth, you know, wear white shoes or something. And, and, uh, and wear your hair like Rick. And uh, we all look the same. We would, it would be very boring. I remember Mount St. Helens blue and everything was gray. Gray trees, gray sidewalks, gray houses, gray. How many people remember that? I mean, everything was gray. I mean, you just got depressed because everything was. I'm glad we just don't eat one food, you know. Here, eat this. It's like a protein bar. What do you, what do you guys eat? We eat protein bars. What do they taste like? They're tasteless, but you feel very strong afterwards. I mean, life wouldn't be good. I mean, the same is true with the church. And God has given us, each one, a variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Now, notice this. God gives us each a gift, and we are to manage them well. In other words, we're to be faithful in developing these gifts and using these gifts. Because look at what's the result of that is God's generosity will flow through us to others. So this gift that you have is really not for you. Everything you possess, by the way, is not for you. Now, does God want you to be blessed in that? Yes. Am I blessed to be a pastor? I am so blessed to be a pastor. People feel sorry. People feel like it's a you know, political correctness to say, oh, that must be a really hard you know, job you have. You know what? It's got its pains at times, but I love being a pastor. I'm not thinking, oh, I wish I was a plumber, okay, or I, I wish I was this, I wish I was that. No, I love being a pastor. I'm blessed in what God's called me to do. I'd be blessed if he called me to something else, if it was the, what I was made for. I'm blessed. I mean, I'm blessed in this thing. I'm, I don't know why I got off on that ground. But the issue is, we, we, it's not for me. I get blessed in it but it's for God's generosity to flow through me to you. And same with you. God has blessed you with certain abilities by the Holy Spirit. These are spiritual gifts now. It's gifts that come through the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. They're in you so they can flow through you so people can experience God's generosity. So, so his heart can be revealed to somebody. His comfort to somebody. His wisdom to somebody. His power 
to somebody. His love to somebody. You see, that's why he's given you the gift, is so that it flows through you to others. And we're supposed to manage that. We're supposed to be stewards of this. But notice this. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. So everything comes from him. Everything exists by his power. So even though God may give me a gift of prophecy, I have to have his strength to carry on how I use that gift. I may have an anointing to be used in a particular way, but going through stuff emotionally and mentally and financially and physically, that God's got to give me power so I can use the gift that he's given me. I do it through his strength, and I do it through with his power. And notice what happens. Here we go. Then God will be given glory. And everything through Jesus Christ, all glory and power belong to him forever and ever. It seems the apostles had this real, man, they just had this hang up. Everything in their right, they just stop and say, power and glory go to him, both now and forevermore. Amen, amen, amen. They just, they're writing letters. And they just, we need to stop and just all of a sudden give glory to God right now. It wasn't about them. They didn't have the Oscars, the Tonys, the Emmys, the Grammys. If they did, you know, you know, best song of the year, you know. The winner goes through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, come on down. He would get all the awards. It would be no fair. He'd get all the Tonys. He'd get all the Emmys. He'd get all the, you know, the Golden Globes. He'd get all the Oscars because everything comes from him. Everything exists by his power and everything is intended to give him glory. So who gets to take all the trophies home? God does. It's God. And then once again, forevermore. Now, this gift God gives me, these natural abilities, these spiritual abilities that come to me through the Holy Spirit that are in my life and everything God has given me, they're, 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 they're for me and they're for the locale where I'm at, but they're also for the nations of the earth. This glory that God wants is to be, is to be given throughout all the world. And this generosity wants to flow in and through us is to go not just locally, but to the whole world. And I'm not saying that to make all of us missionaries, but everything God has given us has to have that in view of what we're doing globally around the world. Because it says here, declare his glory among the nations. Ascribe to the Lord, verse 3, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord, the Lord, the glory due his name. God wants to, the whole world to know that he is God. God wants the whole world to worship him. God wants the whole world to give him glory. So whatever he has given you, money, talents, spiritual gifts, is not just for yourself, although it is, not just for your family, not just for your local church, but it's for the world. Now, does that mean everyone's going to go to the mission field? No. But you may send, you may sustain, you may encourage, you may intercede, you may sacrifice yourself to help others get there, but we're all involved because whatever God wants to do through us is not just for his local glory, it's for his global glory. This is why your pastors never let this church off the hook in our responsibility of global missions. Because he wants his glory globally. John Piper says, missions exist because worship doesn't. 
wants to meditate on that for a second. There's places where they don't worship Jesus Christ, where it's not glory to him forever and ever, amen. Because that doesn't exist, mission has to exist in that repentance. That takes place through the generosity God wants to flow through you, the generosity of his gifts and his graces that he's brought in and through your life so that that takes place. You cannot say, I know Jesus, and close your heart to that. You know, people have asked, you know, what's the merit of sending people on short-term mission trips? I'm going to tell you what the merit is. One, you really do do well. You use your gifts there to build something, lead someone to Jesus, pray for someone to get healed. I'll never forget talking to Alessandro in Mazar Sharif, Afghanistan, on the phone. I was in San Diego at the time. And he had a Brazilian worker there who I was in a city years before. And I called him out, and I gave him a prophetic word that he would go to the nations and all of a sudden, he, from that prophetic word, he joined YWAM, and, and he landed with, years later, with Alessandro. And when Alessandro said, yeah, Bob McGregor's my pastor, he said, I can't believe that. He prophesied over me years ago, and that's why I'm here. You see how this thing works? It's global. It has global impact. It's for the glory of God and the nations. And so he can't say, I got the heart of God, and ignore what he wants to do around the world. Now, I'm not in Afghanistan. I've been to Afghanistan. I've been there. And uh, that doesn't mean that's my, my primary calling. But what I do impacts that part of the world in a great way. I've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for Afghanistan. So it, 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 we use our gifts to extend his glory to the nations of the earth. As followers of Jesus, then, our whole focus in life is to be on one vision. And what is that one vision? And here's our mantra. For Jesus to be seen his mission fulfilled. And that's it. That's, that's what we live for. We want him to be seen. And as you fulfill the ministry he's given you, as you fulfill the mission he's given you, we want him to be seen. We want it fulfilled not only in Vancouver, but the nations of the earth. And it starts with the supremacy of God. That's why we constantly go back to this. He started this thing called life. Come on, he... He instituted his plan. He gave me and he gave you gifts and he empowers us to fulfill that plan. And he gets the glory at the end. Jesus, therefore, is before all things. Jesus, then, is the cause of all things. Jesus is the power of all things. Jesus is above all things. Jesus is, for the, is the reason for all things. So where is the boasting? Out the window. What is our boast? Praise God what he's done. Praise God what he has done. God is good. God is good. And look at his word. John said it this way, John the Baptist. I must decrease and he must increase. So to see this take place, wrapping this up, we must recognize how God has gifted. There's four things we have to do. One, we have to recognize how God has gifted us. And you're really gifted by four different avenues. We talked one about your design, the way God made your personality, and whether you're short, tall, loud, quiet, you're a reader, you're a non-reader, you're really good publicly, you're not good publicly, you, got, you love to serve, you, you don't want to be bothered, you want to go study. I mean, you are made just like God made you to do what he's called you to do. My son-in-law, Chad Beach, who's becoming just a rock star of rock stars on every Good Morning America show and everything else, he, he just has a personality. He's not the guy that you'd want around 
when you got a project, like I got to dig a ditch to dig up a broken pipe. You, you don't want my son-in-law around. He's worthless, okay? <laughs> He's worthless. And, and he does. You're going to dig that thing by yourself. Just, just know that. But I'm telling you, I've been in public places. We walked into restaurants and we lit up the whole restaurant. I mean, he gets into places and he wins people over like no one I've ever seen in my life. He was made to touch Hollywood. He was made to touch professional athletes. He was made to go into venues and just light the place up. God made him. And he just comes in. Ask him to dig a hole, you know, with you. Nah, that ain't going to happen. That's not going to happen. But, man, he was made. God made him to make everybody feel wonderful and everybody just want Jesus. I mean, it's, it's it, guys, it's beyond even trying. It's just there. He could be sitting with his Bible open and people are getting saved. I mean, it's just unbelievable. There's a grace on him the way God's made him. So your design is really important. But you're also designed by inheritance. And this is something I want to encourage you. I don't care if you came from poverty. That you have a family tree and a family anointing. And that family tree, there's a lot of things been passed down to you that genetically is who you are. And I, I would encourage you to tap into that a little bit. Everyone's so much into generational curses, they don't want to know about their family. Your family has a lot to give to you. You know, my dad graduated with a degree in history from Willamette University. My uncle Alan, his brother, graduated history things, University of Washington. My older sister had a degree in anthropology. These are all history things. You know that I teach church history. You know I'm a history nerd. Okay, I'm a history nerd. I only switched majors. I was, originally I was a history major because I wanted to get a job. There's not too many jobs for history majors. But I love history. And I took graduate level classes in history. Even as a non-history major, I just love history. I read history. Sue reads novels. I read history. And, uh, you know, it's just there. So here, a year ago, we found out, I found out through Ancestry.com and someone making contact to us through that, that I had a brother from another mother. <laughs> you guys hit the scene? And he's trying to find his roots because it was a one-night stand. It was my dad and, and back in 1952, and he's got, looking for his roots. And he connected with me, and we took tests, and we're half-brothers. So Edith, my brother. So we, we get together. I, you know, guys, we're in our 60s. We've never met each other. And I said, so what are you, my sister's with my older sister, what, what is it that you do? And he hands me his business card, and he's a professional historian. <laughs> you know, it's just, my sister started cracking up, you know, just, but it's in the genes. And so I used to feel bad, you know, you know what, that's who I am. My gift to you is to give you some historical roots, and, and if I enjoy reading history, and it's totally nerdy, and it's boring to you, just leave me alone by the fireplace, and let me get lost in my nerdy book. And uh, use it as God leads me. It's just the way God did that. So my family tree did that to me. What's your family tree left with you? Certain aptitudes, way of doing things. You got to grab a hold of that because run with who you are. Don't don't run with you know trying to be someone else with who you are. And then by development, you know I tell church planters who plant churches, we do that a lot around here, that uh, your vision is driven by who you are. And one of the reasons of why you are who you are is because of your mentors. And so I asked them, who were your mentors in life and what did they teach you? And so we have mentors. One of them now is attending City Harvest Church. His name is Bill Scheidler. Tomorrow night he's going to be at my barn giving a kind of lessons I've learned, kind of reflections of a, of a Bible teacher and all he's done and just, just his journey on that. It's kind of part two. If you really want to come to that, just contact me and, and you're more than welcome to join and hear him talk on his journey as a Bible teacher. He's written whole Bible college curriculums. He's got degrees like no one's business. He's 
spent years in South Africa training leaders at Portland Bible College and the nations of the earth. And so this is quite a, this is quite a gift. He taught me a lot. He mentored me on how to study the Bible and how to approach truth and how to divide a subject and how to stand on principle and conviction and really taught me how to be a servant and it's not about you. And one of the greatest things Bill taught me, he taught me it's not your title, it's your function that counts. He could give a rip about titles. It's your function that counts. Dick Iverson taught me about the importance of the church and God's heart for the church, his love for the church, and how to love pastors and how to love God's people above yourself and have the smell of sheep on you. And, and uh, Dick Iverson put that in me and that we would have worship and praise in the church. So you don't have the presence of God, you have nothing. He put that in me. And then Wendell Smith, who's now with Jesus, his son now is Judah Smith in Seattle, City Church there, kind of at-home church, another name for it now. But he taught me generosity. Wendell is probably one of the most generous people I've ever met in my life. And he just taught me how to liberally just give all the time, how to grab the bill. You know, you play that little push that card back and forth at the restaurant, you know, and you take the check. And you take a check? Okay, you take a check. No, no. And then how you grab that check and you pay for it. And he taught me how to give and how to bless. And he also was the most excellent man in character and stress. He just carried himself with great posture and great dignity. You know, Frank DiMazio, my mentor, taught me how to read culture and how to communicate within the context of culture and, and assess the church in the context of culture. I mean, these things came on me not because of birth, but by development with the people who mentored me. Who mentored you? And lastly is anointing. Anointing is kind of a word that we use a lot in our circles of Christendom. Woo! The, the mere word means that last night, you know. Whoa, I felt the anointing. I mean, we love to use that word. The, the mere word means to have oil smeared all over you. Okay, that's what the word means. But it means that there are certain abilities that have come to me because I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and certain things that have come to me because the Holy Spirit has come and invaded my life. I'm attracted to certain things. I'm moved towards certain things. And certain things come easy for me. So there's a balance between, you know, i got to develop and cultivate myself and things come easy to you. You can you spend time just keep developing, 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 developing. But it's never easy. It's probably not your anointing. Okay, you work at it, work at it, work at it. But it's work. And the anointing doesn't take work. It, it just flows. You know, my father in the faith, Dick Iverson, he was used in the 1950s in the great tent meeting healing revivals. He was in. He had healings that were recorded in Wrigley's Believe It or Not. I mean, he ran with guys like T.L. Osborne and others. I mean. Thousands of people getting healed. So I asked him one time, Pastor Iverson, how'd you do it? Give me the keys. Give me the five keys to moving in this thing. He's eating. He goes, you know, Bob, you just, you just jump in the river. What does that mean? <laughs> I mean, it's just the Holy Spirit's there. You just cooperate with it and it just happens. It's just easy. The anointing is something that's easy. It's not hard for me to speak publicly. It's hard for me to pastor. It just comes very easy. Things that you do come very easy for you. And as God moves you and attracts you to things, know that the Holy Spirit's doing that. Now, the second thing we've got to do is that we've got to manage. We, we've got to manage what has been given to us. Peter said this, manage it well so that God's generosity can flow through you. I have the responsibility to develop and use my gifts. And so I have a question for you. Do you ever just spend time praying about the way God has gifted you? Just really kind of weighing that out. I want to pray for people like who are sick. And so I just spend time praying for my healing gift. 
Or I feel like I get revelations from God to speak his word. Do I pray about my revelation gift that God's given me and just actually spend time praying that God would expand it and stretch it? Maybe I just, I see somebody, I just want to give them money. I just got these acts of mercy to relieve suffering. Have you really spent time praying about what do you want to do with this thing, God? And how far do you want to take this? And what do you want to do with me? I want to challenge you to pray for your spiritual gifts. Manage this thing well so that God's generosity can flow through you. And then the thing that we must do next, the third thing, is we must depend on God to empower and to lead us. Now, God may give me natural abilities. God may give me spiritual abilities through the Holy Spirit. God may develop me through mentors and give me great opportunity. But he's designed life that I might come into circumstances where I become helpless and I become weak or I just become outright stupid. I don't know what to do. He brings me to the place where I can't do it. I may have this thing flow through me, but I can't do it because of other factors that I'm facing. This is what Paul said when he's talking about his own persecution in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. He says, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. That's pretty heavy. We were going through such hard times. It was like we had a death sentence on our life. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Now, sometimes people will give me flack, like, oh, man, you've been in all the nations. What, what trip are you on now? And wow. Well, I'm going to tell you there's no romance in some of the places that I go. And you get to sleep with lizards and, and eat bad food. And five-star hotels, you lay on your back and count them. And then you go lay on your back and count you know, five stars and you can count 100 stars or 1,000 stars. Probably, my wife could tell you, about one-third of the time I minister, I'm usually sicker than a dog. You know, you catch things, you know, fever, you know, get, get food poisoning. And, and I've had to, you know, be, like, burning with fever and get up and preach for an hour and pray for an hour and go crash again. And it's amazing as I step out of my weakness and rely on God, how much strength I have to do what I'm supposed to do. And then I crash. There's nothing physically in me. Why? We can't God heal? He can heal, but sometimes he allows us to go through seasons of affliction so that we would lean on him. Paul, describing the thorn in his flesh, you know, he never tells us what that thorn was. He asked God to remove it three times, but we know it was the mind. And here's something that's a hard theological lesson. For God allows something demonic and evil to bring about some great thing. For God allows demon activity in our life so that God can bring more grace in our life. Now that's hard. Where sin abounds, what much more abounds? Grace. So Paul asked God three times to remove this thorn. And God, Jesus said, no, nah. no, Paul, we know it was demonic because he said it was a messenger from Satan to buffet me. And he said, no. And the reason I don't think he ever defined the thorn so that we can all identify with this. And so Paul, talking about this, he says, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Why am I strong? Because I'm no longer depending upon myself. I'm leaning on him, and his power sustains me, and his power moves through me. He's given me a gift, but then he gives me the strength, the power, the resources, the support to be able to operate in that gift. fourth thing, then, we need to do is we must give God glory. Worship team, why don't you come up here quick. Verse, going back to Romans eleven thirty six, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen.
And if you get this thing down in your spirit, that everything that I do, everything that I give my life to, everything that I focus on is for Jesus to be seen in my life and for his mission to be fulfilled. Even in little things. Paul said, whether we eat or drink or everything we do, let us do everything for the glory of God. You know, one of the things that I do, because I, I, someone preached and I got, I got really convicted about it, and, and when I go to the grocery store, because I love going to the grocery store, is I make sure I take the grocery cart in the parking lot and I put it exactly where it's supposed to go. Don't just, you know, throw it on the sidewalk so some kid's getting paid minimum wage can just collect it. I just feel like it's integrity to put it where it's supposed to be. Now, you may not seem like a really big thing to you, but there was a leadership guy that was training Christian leaders, how important your integrity is in every area. And so I've made it my conviction. So here I was at Whole Foods probably about a year and a half ago, and there I was in the parking lot way over at 160th, and I, I, I put my cart into that thing and put it in there. And someone saw me. And someone who knew I was a pastor of this church but didn't attend this church and went to somebody in that church and said, I was at Whole Foods, and I saw your pastor, and I saw him with that grocery cart, and I wanted to watch him. I said to myself, I wonder what he is going to do with that grocery cart. And they watched me shove that in. And to them, it was a testimony of my integrity. I want Jesus to be seen. If I live my life and everything that I do that Jesus is seen and the mission he has for me and him being seen is going to get fulfilled that everyone will turn to him and worship him. My whole life will be revolutionized. It'll no longer be about 